0: The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harrah's Resort SoCal in 2024.
1: My name is Nicolas Nitrinduc. I
0: live in Paris,
1: France. I'm an art historian specialized in Vietnamese art and I curate the Instagram account Vietnamese Art in Paris.
0: Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. What does it mean to be Vietnamese to you after all of the work that you've done?
1: Uh, That's that's a a very heavy question. Um, To me, it would be both uh, pride and struggle, um, struggle first because I'm mixed uh, and my Vietnamese identity is not necessarily the one that uh, that is the most um, obvious to people. And it has been the cause of a bit of pain when I was growing up because I feel very much attached and connected to my Vietnamese identity And so that that was a bit sad for me, not to be almost taken seriously about my Vietnamese identity. It's also a struggle because of uh, the history, my family history about how my grandfather arrived in France. He was forced to leave his country and to to embrace a... a, um, another way of life another culture without having a choice and so it has been hard also growing up knowing the story uh, because it's a lot of pressure Uh, I oftentimes felt that I was not uh, worthy of this history that I was not as brave as my grandfather was uh, but it's also why it makes me proud because um, there is the example of my grandfather, but there's also the the whole Vietnamese country, which is a, an amazing example of what is bravery and what is strength. How how the country resisted uh, foreign forces for thousands of years, and how how they always have faith in themselves or how yeah you have faith in yourself and know that you you will overcome and you know that you can also evolve and not losing your own identity so yeah that's that's something to be proud of uh, And i'm also very proud of being the descendant of the fairy queen and the
0: lord dragon of course can you tell me a little bit about your grandfather's journey
1: well my grandfather was born in northern Vietnam uh, in 1924 in a family of peasant well his father before him had also been taken by force by the french army for world, world war one the um, and uh for yeah And then he he went back to Vietnam, but it it kind of broke him. And he eventually committed suicide. So my grandfather grew up alone with his mother and brother. And when he was 16 uh, in 1939, uh, so there was the war in Europe, and the the French government uh, took Vietnamese boys. some voluntarily and some by force. Uh, that was the case of my grandfather. Uh, he was literally taken away from his mother's arms. That's a memory he kept all his life. And um, yeah, so he was sent to France in a ship, uh, in the ship holds, um, with no, you know, you know. no, no cleanliness or anything like really in the worst conditions. And when he arrived in France, uh, well, the war was already kind of over because the German had won the war. So the, the France was occupied. He joined the resistance. And when the war was over, he had the choice of going back to Vietnam, but to fight against Vietnamese people during the French and the China war, or to stay in France. So my grandfather chose to stay. And uh, yeah, he met my my grandmother, who was an Italian woman born and raised in Argentina. So together, they settled in France, not speaking uh, French. And they just got along like this. And that's the story.
0: And did he ever make his way back to Vietnam?
1: Unfortunately not. He never went back. Uh, They wrote, he wrote to his family, they exchanged letters. Um, But he died when he was 60 in 1984. And so he never got the chance to go back to see his brother or his mother again.
0: It's a very sad story. Yes. Did you get to meet him and get to know him?
1: No, I did not. Um, No. Growing up, I've always been kind of fascinated by by him. I never knew any of my grandfathers, but But... um, I always saw pictures of him and um, grew up hearing stories about him. And, um, yeah, so I've always been very passionate about my grandfather, but I never met him. He died uh, nine years before I was born.
0: And um, is this your mother's father? Is your father's, your mother's father? Yes, yes. And did your mother subsequently get connected with the Vietnamese uh, roots or her side?
1: Yes, um, thanks to my uncle, my my mother's brother. He was uh, the first of his generation to to try to reach out to the Vietnamese family uh, in the late 1990s. He still had the address that my grandfather used. So he tried, he wrote a letter. Uh, Our cousin in Vietnam answered the letter and my uncle was eager to meet them and to go back to Vietnam. So he said, okay, I'm gonna come. Uh, Let's meet on such day in such place in Hanoi. And at the time there was no cell phone. And even in the village in Vietnam, there was not not many phones. But so he went to that place at, at the time of the appointment and he stayed a few hours, not knowing if the cousin would come and eventually he came. And so they met and then my uncle stayed there. He lived there for about a year, I think my mother that's when she she joined him she went to to visit them as well and since then yes we've been in touch now there's Facebook there's Instagram so that's that's great
0: it's incredible history yeah and how did your mother sort of preserve or instill with within you an interest in in Vietnam or Is that just something that naturally came as a result of not knowing much about your your maternal uh, Vietnamese side?
1: My mother herself grew up wanting to know more about her Vietnamese side. Uh, In the 1950s, in the 1960s, 70s from French countryside, uh, it was not an easy thing to be mixed. So my grandparents, Uh, raised their kids as proper French kids, trying not to make them stand out. So they didn't teach uh, Vietnamese or or re express their Vietnamese identity. And I think my mother suffered from this because I feel that she felt disconnected from her father. And so growing up, I've always felt that uh on my uh, mother's part and also my uncle so in turn i, I was also attracted to that part of my identity
0: it, this has happened to me i was born with an, uh, an american english name uh, were you given a vietnamese name from birth
1: no uh no uh, actually Even my last name, my Vietnamese last name, uh, I wasn't born with it. Uh, I had only my father's name and it's in 2014 that I decided to add uh, my Vietnamese name to my full identity. Uh, It was the 30th death anniversary of my grandfather and I wanted to do something special to celebrate him. So I just went to the, the city hall and asked, can we add spots wow.
0: what, what do you think created this sort of interest? Um, I mean, I guess the question is more like, do you remember as a child when you started to become more interested in the, the v- Vietnamese side of, of your, uh, your family?
1: I don't really remember. I feel like it's always been there um in my grandmother's house uh, in the kids room there was a a big photo portrait of my great-grandmother my grandfather's mother and so she's wearing the Aozai, and she you know she sees it like in those portraits of ancestors and it was so fascinating for me as a kid because i knew that it was different from french culture or even from italian culture that was not something that i would see uh at my other relative's house or my friend's house and it really it was really striking to me as a kid i felt very proud to know that this was my ancestor and i don't know it felt kind of very regal you know and very important and mysterious because i didn't know her i didn't know much about anything about Vietnam at the time. So it's always been there. And it's growing up gradually that I started to learn more about it.
0: Everything that you just said about that picture in your grandmother's house is how I feel about your art that you've curated. Yeah. These images are ancient, they're old, they go back in time. We are all somehow linked to those images by uh, our cultural sort of, uh, memories. And I mean, that's not us today. That's not us. That's not my mother. <laughs> that's mm. not like, that's, that's still part of, of an imprint of something that's very almost familiar, but so distant.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Um, your Italian grandmother, uh, from Argentina, Yes. Did she talk much about her culture? Did you gravitate towards her life and her, her, um, where she grew up?
1: Yes, much more because first I've known her for a long time. She died in 2017. So, um, I was already in my mid twenties and I was very close to her, which also I think explains why I was so Connected to my grandfather because I was still very close to his wife, my grandmother. And um, so, yes, I, I would talk a lot about her life, her culture, her childhood, because I knew that all of this would be, was something that I would have liked to know about my grandfather, but couldn't because I he was not around. So I wanted to yeah to enjoy those moments with my grandmother and talk about about her and today i'm very glad i did yeah she's not here anymore to answer my questions but uh, yes growing up uh i mean um italian culture is uh a huge part of my identity yes because of her
0: you know i i want to get to the work of what you do but i can't Leave the family questions yet. Uh, I'm so fascinated by an Italian woman growing up in Argentina falling in love with a Vietnamese man. Yeah. How did they meet?
1: Um, that's a that's a cute story. My grand my grandfather after the war, uh, so he decided to stay in France, and he somehow got adopted uh, like a foster parents. He needed to to have uh, French people that would take him in so he could leave the military camp. So he found this couple, uh, elderly couple without kids who took him in and who were then my mother and uncle's grandparents really. And that woman was a seamstress. And so my grandfather thought, why not become a tailor? So he went to Paris in a tailoring school. He learned tailoring. Then he went back to the countryside and opened his tailor shop. Uh, And he had a customer, an Italian customer, who was living in Italy but often would come to France for holidays. And that Italian man had another tailor in Milan. And his tailor in Milan was my grandmother's brother. Because in my grandmother's family, there were tailors from generation to generation for, for a very long time. And so when this customer would go back to Italy, he, he would say to his tailor, my great uncle, you know, I have this uh, this cute tailor in France, he's Vietnamese, he's single, you have your sisters, you have your seamstresses, maybe they can get, give me their, their picture and their address. So they did. Uh, my grandmother gave a picture with her address, out like like a game really, because she was already dating a pharmacist. <laughs> and, uh, and so then he gave those pictures to my grandfather. And my grandfather, uh, was attracted to my grandmother, so he wrote to her. And they exchanged letters for half a year maybe, or a year. And then during summer holidays, uh, my grandmother um, came to France to meet him. Uh, They spent the summer together. And before she was about to leave, to go back to Milan, he proposed and uh, she said yes and they married right away. She didn't even have a wedding dress. She was wearing like a a suit skirt. And uh, and after that, she they both lived in France. And that was
0: their life now. What a beautiful story. Yeah, beautiful story. Yeah, it's not some story where, um, you know, some tragic uh, meeting or you know, some quick get together and then, you know, they just stayed for a few years and, you know, but this is sounds like an actual love story that grew over time and was uh, such a beautiful story.
1: Yes, I love to to hear her talking about him. She was. I mean, I I could still feel how much uh, she loved him, the way she would talk about him even. Um, over 30 years after his death, she was still very much attached to him.
0: And, yeah. You know, when we think about those times, it's so romantic, you know? Yeah. I think About and I look at the art of, of the, the early days and, you know, just everything about the periods that decades before us is, I feel like sometimes with the digital age and social media, we've, we've lost a lot of that uh, sort of romance, right?
1: Yeah, it's true that that's up to us to to make it again
0: yeah it's a good point yeah growing up uh what sort of interest uh what what are the things that were uh, interesting to you
1: um well i've always been interested in history um things from the past uh whether like tales to, to hear a story about the past, such just like physical things, objects or, or costumes. I've always also been attracted to um, fashion history, the, the history of costumes. I think it, I've always thought that it was very interesting. Um, not so much about art. I mean, I've always been inclined uh, to art, um but not as much as today uh i feel it was much more about history than about art or art history when i was a kid it was really i don't know i was really attracted to things from the past
0: and what did you sort of think about when you were entering in your college uh years to study
1: what was the question
0: I'm sorry, what, what were the subjects that you were interested in pursuing uh, in your college uh, degree? Uh, art
1: history. When, uh, when I entered college, uh, I already knew that uh, that's what I wanted to pursue, yes.
0: And, and was there a specific uh, area in art history that you wanted to study?
1: Yes, I started by studying uh, Italian Renaissance. That was my first uh, my first um, um, field of study. I, I, um, I have a, a bachelor in Renaissance art history. I went to live in Florence uh, for a year, which was amazing. Uh, but at some point I realized, although I'm still very much interested and fascinated by Italian Renaissance, but I felt that it was not, that's exciting because it has been covered already for <laughs> um, centuries really. And uh, And also strangely enough, uh, when my grandmother died, it felt like it really impacted my my studies and my research because she was Italian and when I was living in Florence, uh she was still around at the time and we would call often and we would speak in italian together we something that we never did before but i was really getting closer to her and that's the year she died and so after she she passed i don't know i felt like that was not right to keep on that track and i wanted to do something else and that's when i realized that uh, I was very much interested in Vietnamese art, and I always, I've always been frustrated that there was not enough um, books, literature about Vietnamese art. So I thought, well, that's that's a place where I can do something useful.
0: What what year was that? Um,
1: twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen.
0: And I asked that because I, you know, I tracked down. Um, people who cover the subjects, for example, you know, if there's an article written about somebody who was a rock musician in the 60s, that person, uh, the rock musician is interesting. But to me, the writer, the person that pursues the subject Mm -hmm. is something somebody I want to talk about, because typically they have so much knowledge in the whole kind of era that they've, you know, they've researched for many months or years. And so for you, it's you know, I the the subject, the Vietnamese art history subject is very interesting, but understanding why somebody would pursue it is simply mm-hmm. very interesting. So I want to sort of get more contextual background why and how you got into the field. So my first question is when you have this uh, sort of a calling to pursue Vietnamese art. What are some of the first things sort of that go through your mind to say, okay, this needs to happen in order for me to kind of get a rounded education about this field. You have this interest, right? It starts after, you know, in 2017, passing of your grandmother, and you start to develop this sort of feeling about to uh, Vietnamese art. What happens after that? What are the the steps that you have to take to pursue something like that?
1: Well, the first thing I did, I did was to reach out to uh, professors in Parisian universities to first see if there was uh, uh, something to be done in the academic field. I, I still wanted to, to do that in university. It was not just a passion I wanted to pursue on my own. I wanted to, to get a degree and to study it formally so I could produce something. So I reached out to, to a professor from the Sorbonne University where I studied so far. And he seemed very um, positive and encouraging about it. So he, he said we should meet. And so when, when we met, uh, I still knew nothing almost uh, and so that's really him who told me how to proceed. And he he could see that I was very passionate about it and that he, I, I would learn very fast. So uh, after that, I just um, absorbed as much as I could regarding Vietnamese uh, culture, not only art, because there's not so much Uh, books about Vietnamese arts, so I read everything I could find about art, but also like culture and religion, sociology, movies, music, uh, literature, everything that I could to, to, yeah, to, to build uh, a base of knowledge, really. And I'm still doing that, obviously.
0: There is sort of um, like the earliest period in Vietnamese art. Can you walk us through sort of like the the important or the major periods of Vietnamese art? Uh,
1: although I'm not a specialist of the most ancient times, uh, I know more about the the, the, the last centuries. Uh, so I'm, I wouldn't be too sure about the dates for the sure. earlier periods. Um, I think the first um, significant period in Vietnamese art history uh, is uh, what we call today, Dong Son, Dong Son, uh, before Christian era. Um, those are mainly bronzes, um, no, I don't know enough of, uh, yeah. about uh ancient but, period.
0: But but sort of like la- that sort of like um a big milestone in Vietnamese art, right? If you were mm. just to say, "Hey, that's like a really big cap. A really big uh place to start is the bronze. And then where do we go from there?"
1: There's a, a period that today we call Han Viet. Uh that uh, took place during the first Chinese occupation in the first centuries of uh, of the Christian era, Um, because that's the moment when Chinese culture mingled with Vietnamese uh, traditions of the time, and there was this Chinese elite uh, of um, military governors, really, uh that um yeah that got mixed with the local vietnamese elite and so that's when it started to to appear a new new ornamental vocabulary and new um shapes that were both uh chinese and vietnamese like the first the first occurrences of uh, what is Vietnamese art today, which is an art that is um, heavily influenced by Chinese art. Uh, So it would start at that point and then evolve with uh, ceramics from the Li dynasty around a thousand years ago, which were very delicate and very thin, very refined that that bears witness to the refinement of the uh court of the time of the, of the vietnamese um culture of the time and then um, we could jump to the le dynasty in the around the 16th 17th century uh which is often considered as the um the apex of vietnamese culture with the most beautiful buddhist temples and sculptures that still stand today in northern vietnam Uh, and then the nguyen dynasty uh, in central vietnam that that um, developed another another tradition in its uh ornamental vocabulary it's in its motives and um and even techniques like taking techniques from china and trying to to develop uh develop them in vietnam with vietnamese uh artisans and creating those those new this new aesthetic and then the the, the french occupation in the 19th uh early 20th century uh with uh, the advent of of a European artistic point of view with techniques such as uh, oil on canvas or or perspective uh, or shadows, things like that. Uh, And then uh, the uh, socialist realism, from the mid uh from the mid uh, century uh influenced by uh, by russian aesthetic of uh strong shapes and and realistic uh depictions i would say those are, are the main
0: and when yeah. you and when you are uh curating and looking through this art in paris uh does it all show up in in the museums or collections in paris all the periods that you talk about um not really
1: um first i would say that the 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 most recent periods in vietnamese art history are not uh well represented here in paris uh the everything after uh, Vietnamese independence uh, is not so much uh, valued here. Um, so it's mainly, mainly yes, the, the, the time of the French occupation and uh, then there are some uh, collectors and some museums that have uh, beautiful pieces predating the colonization but uh, I would say that the interest is uh, is um, on the era of the colonization the most. Once uh, the French left Vietnam, it has been a, a, a very long period of turmoil and war. So I think it was not the best uh, period for artists to express themselves. Uh, that's a period when art uh, uh, the function of art was to be uh, political and to to be um,
0: propagandized.
1: yes mm-hmm. to to serve uh, uh, a purpose higher uh, than the individual's expression so
0: yeah makes sense. what is the sort of the cutoff of the uh, when does contemporary art actually start in Vietnam?
1: Well, we often say that it started with the doemoi in, in the late nineteen uh, eighties, um, because that's when the uh, communist party kind of um, eased its grip on artists and individual expression. Um, really, I would say that contemporary art, in any case, is a uh, is a matter of uh, perspective, contemporary art is nothing more than the art that's been created in our time. Like uh, in the 1930s, contemporary art was what artists of the time were producing. So there's always contemporary art. Mm. But yes, what we uh, imagine today when we talk about contemporary art uh, would have been born in the late 1980s.
0: So when you started your uh, Instagram account with Vietnamese art in Paris, um, can you tell me, walk me through that sort of process of putting the first image up? And did you have to think much about the curation or was it such a just an impulsive um, action? you know, or did you think about it? You're like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I already have a series of 2030 art uh, works that I know that I want to put out there. Or was it just very random?
1: Well, it started in a very silly way. I just uh, went to an, uh, a pre-sale, um, a pre-auction sale exhibition to see Vietnamese artworks. And I took pictures and I wanted to share them on Instagram. But I didn't want uh, the people from the auction room, people from the art market world to see my personal Instagram. I didn't want to share. I wanted to share Vietnamese art, but I didn't want to share my life. So I thought I'm just going to create another Instagram account just to share the Vietnamese artworks that I see. So it just started like this and I didn't really um, think that much about it. Uh, And so when I started to post about that first sale, I thought, oh, but I could also talk about that sculpture in such museum or or that statue in such streets and everything. And I could see that my following was growing and most of my followers were from Vietnam of Vietnamese descent, whether in France or in the States. So I thought, well, I should keep doing that because uh, there's so much Vietnamese art going through Paris, whether through auction rooms or in private collections or in museums. And people do not necessarily know about it, Uh, but I do because I live here and that's something i love in paris that we have access to art from all over the world uh, whatever the reasons not always good reasons obviously so i just thought that uh, it would probably be interesting for a lot of people to see all of those artworks that were around me
0: how do the artwork typically in the early years arrived to Vietnam?
1: Arrived to Vietnam?
0: Yes. All of the works that that you've showcased. How did they get to? I'm, I'm so sorry. How did they get to Paris? Okay.
1: Yes. Um, well, it depends. Uh, regarding uh, artworks from private collections, for instance, private collectors are often uh, families of Vietnamese descent. Mm. Um, So families of uh, mandarins, for instance, or like um, educated people from Vietnam that at some point uh, migrated to France and brought with them their own art collection and their own memorabilia really, but that today are, true art pieces so there's that Um, and then there's the case of the museums and the auction sales uh, that are of course closely linked to colonization Um, for instance regarding museums in the late 19th century when when france started to colonize vietnam uh, they were also interested in vietnamese culture they sent uh archaeological missions over there and scientific uh associations that settled there to study the, the culture, the civilization. Um and so they would they would um, simply bring back uh stuff wow. there that, that they would um, take take, unfortunately. Sometimes, yeah. not always, sometimes they would like genuinely buy it from artisans when it was um new new pieces uh other time they would buy it from their previous owners like a, a high mandarin that was close to french officials and at the time uh the vietnamese elite was more interested in in westernization than in um uh, in Vietnamese culture, so it was kind of a yeah, a fair of a friendly exchange, if yeah. you want. <laughs> but there was also, of course, uh, lootings. Um, I think that's not something we talk a lot about. Uh, we mainly talk about lootings in Africa, for instance. Recently, uh, a museum in Paris has started to to give back looted artifacts to Benin in Africa. But it's it seems more subtle with uh, Indochinese history. And there's some sort of, um, I don't know, um, it's not very much studied yet. Uh, I started to look into it. Uh, I cannot say much about it because I haven't been into the archives. Uh, I haven't looked deep enough into it to to say if it's lootings or not, but uh, for sure, uh, French museums uh, have today in their collections, uh, Vietnamese artworks that have been acquired by French officials during the colonization uh, thanks to their position of power and um, at the expense of uh, the vietnamese um, people really that isn't uh, um, makes no doubt to me yeah but to know if it's looting it gets into legal stuff that i do not master
0: are there museums in vietnam that have big collections of this sort of art
1: um yes for um i don't know many museums in vietnam uh i know i mean only in the big cities i know that there are a lot of small museums in the countryside local museums that I haven't been to. I know that in Hanoi, there's a beautiful museum, the, the Museum of Fine Arts that has uh, a very beautiful collection of antique sculptures and modern paintings, um, and much more comprehensive, fortunately, than what holds uh, what hold French museums. That being said, um, Yeah, that being said, I I, I still think that they do not have enough uh, pieces. Uh, Vietnamese museums should be... um, Yeah, they they should have more than what they currently have, I think. But it, it may gradually get to that because uh, today we see on the art market many many uh Vietnamese billionaires who buy um, priceless artifacts um some uh, announced that they will give uh, pieces to museums in Vietnam I don't know if it has happened yet but I'm hopeful for the future that the Vietnamese uh collectors will uh, will help museums to, to replenish.
0: Can you talk about some of your favorite artists uh, of the period that you study and why uh, they are your um, favorite and why you like them?
1: Um, yes, for instance, I I, I really love uh, my two, uh who lived from 1906-1980. I think he's uh story is interesting because it really uh it really epitomized uh the history of uh vietnamese modern arts of the 20th century he was born in a in a mandarin family his father was a mandarin the governor of Bac ninh and uh, he studied at the uh, Fine Art School of Indochina. And um, that's, what's really fascinating about those artists is how their style evolved during their career um, and really shows their own relationship to their identity. Like for instance, this painter, Mai Tu, started with oil on canvas paintings, which is uh, uh, a very European technique. Mm-hmm. And he would paint in a very realistic manner uh, with shadows and you know perspective, all those things that he would learn at the Ecole des Beaux-Arts d'Andochine. And um, at some point he moved to Paris in 1937 and he settled there in France. And that's when he stopped uh painting with oil on canvas and in that realistic manner and he started to go to uh colors on silk and to paint in a very um idealized manner without shadows without perspective and really embrace a sino-vietnamese approach to art with the with the idea of um, of depth, not expressed through through perspective, but through a layering of planes, and instead of shadows, to have like pure flat colors, and instead of having realistic bodies and faces, it would be more um, distorted, distorted with another canon, with uh, heavier heads and and um, more minimal face features and bodies that would be more delicate like a, a whole other uh, approach to depiction that was much closer to what you could find in Chinese or Vietnamese arts predating uh, the, the colonization and I think that's interesting because at the time he was not living in Vietnam anymore and I feel like it was his uh, way of of um returning yes of keeping uh a a, a a powerful connection to his identity and to his uh to vietnamese art history um th- that painter in particular i like him because he reminds me of my own grandfather who would who was also a painter, an amateur painter, but painter nonetheless. And he would also paint uh, very idealized figures and uh, Vietnamese landscapes. And so I feel like this is really interesting to see how people with such different backgrounds, my grandfather was a peasant, my two was a, a son of a Mandarin, one was self-taught, the other was taught from uh, the French uh, fine art school. But in the end, they used art uh, the same way to feel closer to their homeland and to express their, their longing, to sublimate their longing. And that's what I like about him.
0: Now, is there any um, writings from Maite, uh that he leaves behind? to sort of walk us through the what he was thinking uh, during the transformation of of that sort of period in, in his life.
1: That's a good question. Uh I don't know about that. Uh I know that there are some interviews even um filmed uh, interviews. Um there's also his uh daughter who today is in charge of his um heritage. Uh But uh, yes, that's a good question. I don't know exactly what uh, motivated him to operate this change. I know that there's also a pragmatic uh, aspect to it, that now he was in France, and it was also a way of uh, um, stand out uh, from the other artists at the time. So he knew that he would be the only one to do that at this place and time um, but i do think that there were that there were uh, deeper motivations behind
0: yeah it, it's always so interesting you know as uh, somebody who is not very familiar with art for, you know from for me and i've been to museums and i've you know stared at paintings and and trying to understand the the different motivations with artists when I learn that it's always the same for me when I learn that an artist really knows how to draw and draws Mm -hmm. with shadows and perspective and really knows what they're doing and then they switch over to um, a different mode of art it's always interesting to me the motivations for why they switched over you know what are the reasons in that sort of time and space in history that they switch over and it sounds like that return to identity with with the shapes and with the way that he's um, almost like flattened out the perspective or taken it out uh, is is so interesting to me. Did did he end up staying in France or did he ever go back to Vietnam?
1: Um, He went back uh, for a few months in the 60s and then again in the 1970s. But he yeah, no, he lived in France uh, all his life um but he always felt very attached to his uh to vietnam really uh he was not the only vietnamese painter who moved to paris and settled there in france Uh, but he was definitely the one who was the most Affected by what was happening in Vietnam with uh, the American War um, and the, the the French War before that, and he was um, you could see that in his painting, uh, and also even in his um, political approach to art, um, some of his of his um, fellow artists uh, that moved to Paris with him. Uh, at some point, they signed a deal with a very prominent American gallerist. Uh, and Mai Tu refused because it was at the time of the American war in Vietnam and he felt that it was not right. Um, he was also at some point um, doing uh, some sort of collaboration with the UN. Um, he would draw Uh, cute postcards of children that would then be sold uh, for charities and uh, he also uh, ended that collaboration at some point because he felt that there were not uh, um, he wished that they would sanction the 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 actions of the states during the American war and he was disappointed in them so he stopped to work with them as well. So that's also something I find interesting in his work because too often uh, Vietnamese artists uh, in France, um, kind of, that's my opinion of course, but kind of uh, lose uh, that connection to to Vietnam. And, and that's something that really touches me about Mai Tu, how even far away and living in France, he would still be concerned about what was happening in Vietnam. Um,
0: I want to ask you a question that is um, a little bit removed from the art world right now is uh, sort of how, how much do you know about uh, the Vietnamese uh, migration patterns uh, from Vietnam to, to, in the the very early days of of the history of of the migration of Vietnamese to France?
1: Um, I think it started in the late 19th century or early 20th century. Um, From what I know, the first to to migrate would be um, educated people from Vietnam, like sons of mandarins, who thanks to colonization would get in touch with um the western knowledge and way of life and that they would be attracted to that and uh, and move to france to study for instance to go to french or european universities uh and get degrees and often go back to vietnam uh, so that's that's one point uh Another one is um, linked to um, to the walls, to the two world walls. Uh, as my grandfather or great grandfather, many many men were brought to France to to fight, and many of them settled. Um, so that's also. I would say the the second act of uh, the Vietnamese diaspora in France. Um, there's also another story, of family legend that have, I I never got the chance to to check. I never found any information, but in my family we say that my great grandfather uh, was. Um, sent to um, what is now i mean it was already egypt uh to uh, dig the suez canal at the time he was engineered by french i think and that's what's been said in my family but i never found any any documents talking about vietnamese uh, workforce for this project so i don't really know where it comes from uh, if they got mixed up in the name of the canal or something mm-hmm. but um yeah to say that uh, the early days of migration I- is very much linked to uh, to french uh, enterprises whether war or engineering and then they're, they're, they are the, the 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 migrations linked to the independence of vietnam and the wars
0: you you know when i was a child i i can imagine other children thinking about this but when i was a child i always thought like history happened when i was born right because you just, yes yes i know that feeling yes <laughs> you just don't know what happened before your life so you you know as a child you just think oh life happened like the world was created right when i was born and and slowly it's like an onion, it gets peeled back and there's Mm -hmm. layers in the same way. I always thought that Vietnamese American history, uh, the Vietnamese Americans were the first Vietnamese outside of uh, the outside of Vietnam. So Mm -hmm. there was no context typically for, uh, for for me growing up that there, and there might have been, there might've been discussions in my family, but, you know, we don't, as children, we don't really think that there's Vietnamese in France, Vietnamese in Germany, Vietnamese in Australia. Yeah. So now I'm fascinated by uh, the populations that grow up outside of Vietnam, outside of the US that are Vietnamese. Mm. And I'm beginning to learn, um, I started to realize it many years ago, but I'm beginning to learn in depth now, in detail that the Vietnamese in France are perhaps the, the the oldest, uh, in terms of like a, a big population migrating mm. outside of Vietnam it was in France. They're very French Vietnamese are very different than the US, the, the Vietnamese in the US. And it's, it's different in terms of the political reasons, mostly um, why we have left the country. Mm. And I feel like the the French Vietnamese, uh, Vietnamese living in France, have a much longer, long, long history. It's not like in the 70s or the now I'm I'm hearing it's beyond the 50s. It's much, yeah. much deeper than the 50s. And it's fascinating. Uh, do you interact with a lot of Vietnamese uh, in in France uh, today?
1: Um, yes, I do. Uh... First, thanks to Vietnamese art in Paris, through Instagram, I talk with a, a lot of a lot of uh, individuals of Vietnamese descent that live today in, in France. Um, and then, through through my research, through my studies, I, I've met a lot of um, of families and collectors of Vietnamese art uh, in It has always been very interesting um, encounters to to know more about uh, other family histories. Um, And then my my friends that I've met here in Paris, uh, at some point I went to a school, uh, a school that has a, a terrible name, Uh, that is called uh, the the National Institute for uh, Languages and Civilizations of the Orient. Mm. (laughs) I I think they they should uh, do something about that name. But that's where I started to learn Vietnamese. uh, And so I met a a lot of good friends there.
0: Now, how much art do you think that you've, Come across in terms of the history of that period that you're studying is do you do you think that there's a lot more of it because i i'd imagine like when you study a certain period there's a finite amount but do you feel like that there's a lot more art that is out there that hasn't been explored by yourself or have you do you kind of understand that there's this much and you're going to cover this much in your your in your career or are you on the path to discovering much more out there within this certain time frame that you're
1: studying? Um, That's a good question. Um, That's something that is particularly exciting about Vietnamese art is um, the lack of big national collections. As we said, it's mainly I mean, a lot is in private hands today. And thanks to uh, Thanks to that, it it allows the knowledge about Vietnamese art history to be uh, always uh, evolving because um, would appear on the market, a piece that you would have never thought about couldn't exist. And so sometimes it's just, um, yeah, it's very exciting to see Uh, that it's um, much more diverse than what we know and it's also very um, encouraging because it makes you think about all those amazing pieces that are yet to be seen and that are today in some French property attic or something that hopefully someday will reappear and hopefully go to a vietnamese museum for instance Um, as for my specific field uh topic of research which is portraits uh in vietnamese art um it's also something that i I feel i will not cover in my career because uh, i'm lucky enough to study such a a wide topic, um, regardless of the period or of the technique material. So, with that as well, there's always new things to discover and and always opportunities to be surprised.
0: Is this style of art, uh, the portraits, are they? Is it reappearing? today in Vietnam in another iteration, another style developed?
1: I think it never disappeared first. Uh, That's something that I find fascinating about portraits is that it's probably the one genre that never disappear because that's how humans are. They they represent themselves and um, so it just evolves. And that's why it's so interesting to study um, when you realize how how so little change from 2000 um, years ago until today, uh, some things, are still the same in the way we we choose to 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 represent ourselves or the reasons why we choose to represent ourselves. Um, but beyond that, other things change, like the 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 aesthetic of it or the uh, capacity oneself has to get his portrait or her portrait done while in the past not everybody could today everybody can and so those things evolve uh, and that's that's very interesting and i hope i can include uh, the contemporary very contemporary period in my thesis in my doctoral thesis because i see today how families in vietnam including mine how much they love to pose and go to uh, professional photographers. And um, now I see so many people uh, interested in uh, costume, like historic costumes, dressing as emperors or mandarins and and taking pictures in that sort of costume. That's something that was not around like 10 years ago. And today that's, that's very, very um, trendy. And I think that's, very interesting to to see how how portraiture evolves.
0: It's funny when people get dressed up in the Mandarin costumes, and you know, there, there's certain implied meanings behind uh, you know those sort of costumes that are sort of probably lost on on the public, right? The implications yeah. of of being ruled, or what kind of um, dark history that, that exists with those kinds of costumes
1: yeah it's true um, I often think about it also apart from uh, costumes of mandarin and emperors uh, also the simple fact of dressing in a past period to dress to to have that sort of uh, fantasy about um the past uh especially now i see a lot of people dressing uh like in the 1930s in vietnam like that style of dai or yeah. hairstyle and from my point of view here in france being french and uh of vietnamese descent i wonder why would you dress like during the time of colonization why would you fantasize about such a dark past time. Yes. But I realized that it's my point of view because uh, it's very much linked to my own history. But for other people, especially when you still live in Vietnam, you have a different relationship to what was colonization. And I came also to understand that apart from this period being a time of colonization, it was also a period before war, before, uh, I don't know, um, 50 years of war. And I think that's also probably why uh, people uh, fantasize that much about that period. It was just uh, the last period of peace that there was.
0: And it's romantic. It was very romantic. Period. <laughs> yes. V- visually romantic the visually romantic era
1: yes exactly
0: removing the political sort of backdrop but uh, yeah even yeah
1: there's also yes an aesthetic uh um, yes yes
0: i mean even in the architect uh the buildings of the time it's, it's such a you know when you go back to vietnam you can feel it it's palpable it's, it's things that you can yeah. experience in a way that's very romantic if you remove the political uh the meaning the 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 political implications behind it.
1: Yeah, the atmosphere is very different.
0: Yes, it is. What about counterfeits? Do you, um, is that a big thing in this niche of of art?
1: Um, unfortunately, yes.
0: Um, I was expecting no, Uh, you know, it's not a big thing.
1: Uh, no, it is. Um, whether it is ceramics or paintings, um, yes, there, there are a lot of, of, uh, fakes, uh, both on the market and in museums, uh, unfortunately, uh, it's very well known that, uh, Hanoi Museum of Fine Arts, uh, holds a lot of, uh, fake, uh, artworks. Um, Unfortunately, for for many different reasons, Uh, some artworks were being have been copied during the war to be to replace the original artworks in case of uh, bombings or things like that. And through time, we lost track of the original pieces, for instance um or, or or simply because the original pieces are kept in their original temples so they they exhibit uh copies but then if we lose the temple we just have the copies uh and also just um, yeah counterfeit just to 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 make money like uh yes yeah, the fake art markets and uh fortunately there there, there are some uh specialists experts that that spot those uh those fake artworks and um sometimes uh auction houses listen to them and take those pieces out of the sale sometimes they don't and that's uh that's a shame but uh unfortunately that's how the market is i mean with any kind of art, there's always counterfeits, I guess it's too tempting to make money out of it.
0: Yes, I can imagine. Now, when when you are all finished with your work, um, your graduate studies, uh, and, and you head down a professional career path uh, and you do research, uh, what does that look like on, in terms of a project? You know, if you say, I want to start to study this, how do you sort of pick Uh, of a topic and what happens in the pursuit of that in a certain amount of time?
1: I think I I will definitely keep studying portraits for sure, because I know that I will not be done talking about it, even after my doctoral thesis. I also intend on um, studying, keep studying uh, what we call modern art. Uh, Vietnamese modern art, uh, meaning the the first half of the twentieth century, because that's a a period that I find fascinating. Um, I don't know yet exactly what I'll be doing after after I graduate. Um, that's that's one of the reasons why I'm still uh, in university because I don't know yet <laughs> what I want to do. Uh, career wise with my life. So I figured for now, I just love to study and do research. So that's what I'm doing. Um, I may keep doing research, yes. And I, I have many ideas of articles I, I want to 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 write, um, topics of, of research I want to dig into.
0: I, I tell you what's amazing about this period in our life right now uh, with social media that you can collect a bunch of art on your page and somebody like me or you know my friends are looking at it and we're talking amongst each other and now we're here we're we've spent uh, time talking about the history of this stuff but you haven't even finished any you know your studies but we're now still able to talk about the work that you've already done on Instagram because that in itself is a, a collection it's a body of that, that explores your taste and a history of your roots and where you come from. So it's its own sort of work that we can study together uh, as the public. We can get to know you. We could get to know why you, mm-hmm. you know, because for me, like I said uh, you know, um, earlier, when I look at the work, it's interesting. But then when I study the person who's collecting the work or putting together the work, to me, that oftentimes is a bigger story for me. And and I think that it's so wonderful that you have many more years to develop from where you are right now, uh, even though you've, you, you have a body of work that just collecting and curating this stuff is a, a great starting point for Vietnamese around the world to start to take notice and be more aware of where we came from and perhaps where we're going.
1: Yes, exactly. That's also how I envision this uh, Instagram account. Uh, oftentimes I use it as my own um, notebook. I, I would post about something just because I want myself to remember such facts about such artists. And and yeah, the simple fact that I can open Instagram, go to one of my previous posts and be like, oh yes, that's that's what I, wanted to say about that artist and use it uh, somewhere else like a public um, notebook uh, that that's how I I perceive uh, research how I perceive um, my 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 job as an art historian. Um, I know some people who who wish, to to keep informations for themselves uh factual informations or or pictures and um like it was their own precious treasure very proud of of finding those pictures and i know this pride sometimes i find pictures looking through all newspaper suddenly i will find a picture of a painting or a very rare picture of the emperor or something like that and i and i think whoa that's amazing i'm sure nobody has seen that picture in a long time and that it would be amazing for people to see that again and that's what i love to do to share what i find because i have the training to search information and uh that's what i've been trained for to to look for knowledge and to produce knowledge so there would be really no point in me keeping those information just for the simple pleasure of having that information for myself and i i just want to to share what i find because that's that's not mine and also because growing up i wish it was easier to find those informations today it's as you said it's an amazing time we're living in thanks to internet and social socials um, but we didn't have that when we were growing up yeah. so yeah we want to make sure that uh that we can use it uh yeah to to share everything that's valuable
0: you you know today you have uh, inspired me to think about um, my own Instagram personal Instagram. I have the Vietnamese podcast Instagram, which is growing um, with the team of people that I work with for social media. But for my own, I I've had that uh, Instagram account for many years, zero posts, and I have maybe 125 uh, friends yeah. on it, but zero posts, and I just use it so I can you know follow other people and learn. I see. After today. What I'm gonna do is collect uh, profiles in Vietnamese history and people, and just post it because these aren't people I am interviewing or I haven't had a chance to meet or anything. But there's so many people that I keep a list of, and I'm gonna start doing what you do. I'm gonna, you know, you've inspired me to to use my personal to um, post probably daily. Because there's so many Vietnamese people across the world that, that have passed away or that I can't reach, but that mm. I would like to profile. Just what you do with with the portraits. You you write a you know a brief snippet, uh yes. brief on what it is. And my personal uh, Instagram account is not my American name. It's a oh. Vietnamese name that's combined. Yeah. So, yeah. So today I think uh, is another uh, milestone in sort of like the development of my own... um, I'm not comfortable with social media, but I think this is a way to get integrated into uh, the Instagram um, actions.
1: Mm, I'm glad to hear that.
0: (laughs) Do you um, practice any art? Do you uh, paint or do sculpture or ceramics or anything?
1: No, I think studying art that much makes me uh, to uh, humble. like I, 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 I know how, I know how great artists can be and how great art can be. Uh, that's too much a pressure for me to. I do I like to to create, of course, I think most humans do too because we need to to express things. I do love to to write or to draw, but um, I wouldn't call it art. It's just self-expression, just to release my my inner thoughts.
0: What about music or any other art form? Do you do you consume uh, outside of uh, you know portrait? What 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 are the kind of art do you like to uh, to really follow?
1: I'm very much a visual guy, so it's mainly paintings sculptures photography or cinema and much less uh the other senses i i'm i have a, a, I like uh, musical culture i'm very bad in musical culture uh theater i'm very bad at it too uh i almost never read novels because i'm always reading history books and essays uh I love poetry, but um, same I do not read as much poetry as I wish I, I would.
0: Uh, speaking of film, you have um, the last emperor of Vietnam uh, posted on your Instagram. Uh, I can't remember. It's it's Kai. Oh uh,
1: yeah, that's the penultimate. That's the father of the last.
0: Oh, father of Bao Dai. Yeah, Bao Dai is
1: the father last
0: father. Um, where where did you get that?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, Those are from the archives of uh, Gaumont Pathé, which are two uh, historical cinema companies that merged into one archive. Uh, They still exist and still produce movies today, but in the early 20th century, they would send uh, camera operators all over the world to, to record images and uh they have uh, a database on internet um unfortunately it's not free that's why it's only uh like bad quality and only extracts uh, of the of the full videos but um when you look into it uh like the videos i've shared this is so incredible to see those images because we always see Vietnam through old photographs when we have photographs and to see them moving and just it gives a whole other dimension to the past it really gives another um, yeah it makes it more attainable more real
0: yeah if you, if you think about it we actually move differently than we did a long time ago our movements are different our, yes our movements-
1: also, different. Yes, yes.
0: So when you witness that, it's uh you are really in a different dimension because the movements of the the, the is it a king or an emperor?
1: That's a good question. For for Vietnamese history, it's an emperor. For okay. Chinese or French history, he's a king.
0: What's the difference?
1: Um well the hierarchy is different, of course, the emperor is above the king. Um, so for Vietnamese history, uh, their sovereign, the sovereign was the emperor, um, but as the Chinese, the, uh, I mean, China, the, uh, Chinese empire, uh, was, um, I don't know the English term, but, but was, um, uh, more powerful,
0: what? The, the 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 king I see I kind of under I think I understand. So the king of Vietnam is still a subject of China or of France.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Kind oh, of. That is dumb. when uh, Very when dark. when French uh took possession of Vietnam, uh they destroyed uh, the seal uh that was mocking the, the Vietnamese emperor as a subject. Of the Chinese emperor, and so with that symbolic uh, action, uh, it's like they replace uh, China in being uh, the, the 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 sovereign over Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Really,
0: that distinction is crazy. I have never even thought about. I've never heard of that in my life. Yes, the difference between a king and an emperor is relative to the country that's ruling over Vietnam. Yeah, that pardon my French. Well, that's fucked up. <laughs> that's really Jeez. fucked up thought, right? Like they're taking the stamp that <laughs> that China says, "Oh, I I own that country," and as the French, we take it over, and now we are the.
1: Yeah. Exactly that. Up. Yes. Yes. Uh,
0: It's so fascinating. It really is. Nikki. I I really appreciate today. Um, This has been a fascinating uh, time to sit with you. And I like I tell all my guests, I look forward to many more conversations with you uh, in this field, and uh, I'd love to see you grow. And uh, as our podcast uh, grows, we want to stay connected to hear more stories of, of what develops in your world.
1: Thank you. That was, that was my pleasure.
0: Uh, is you. there anything other, uh, that you'd like to, to, to cover what you want to add to, uh, the story today?
1: Well, I would like to thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about academic work and my, my Instagram account and my own history. Um, uh, I would also like to say to you and to everybody that listened to your podcast to keep being curious and to be interested in vietnamese art and vietnamese history because if you look into it uh it's much wider much diverse more richer uh, than we imagine and that we've heard about and that's also our legacy and it's worth uh looking
0: into thank you so much nikki i really appreciate it thank you thank you for listening to the vietnamese with kenneth Wynn. the vietnamese is produced by Brittany tran and javier proenza special thanks to jane Wynn, catherine Wynn, tina fam sydney jamie and crystal trin please find us on instagram facebook and tiktok at the vietnamese podcast you can also find us on youtube where you can subscribe like and comment Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcasts. Thanks again for listening.